you would, remain standing for the reading of God's Word and turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, I'll begin reading in verse 27. Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 27. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. Praise God for his holy word. Please be seated. During this study through the Sermon on the Mount, we have taken phrase and phrase and word and word at a time, walking through what Christ has said. And one of the truths that we have come to realize is worship of the living God, it is a matter of the heart. It is not a matter of the outward appearance. I'm often reminded of that as I am in the front pew up here worshiping the Lord. Some people like to raise their hands, and some people like to do different things. I, I love to put my hands in my pocket. That it's not something that is visibly the outward appearance. What the Lord is looking at is that of the heart. Last week, we began the first of six, you have heard, but I say to you, statements. So the disciples, they were sitting at the feet of Jesus And they lived in a culture in which outward appearance was everything, much like today, right? Outward appearance is what matters the most. And Jesus was declaring to them that the inward man is what matters. The heart is the center of a person's life. And the Lord, the Lord looks at the heart, at the inward man or woman, not at the outward appearances, which can be very, very deceiving. Jesus began discussing anger in Matthew 5, verse 21. He said, whoever murders will be liable to judgment. Everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. We are guilty of murder if we are angry with our brother. Bitterness, holding a grudge, Resentment, gossip, passionate language, not forgiving, ignoring, reconciliation. These are all forms of murder in the eyes of the Lord. We belong to the Lord if we have received a new heart. And we are to have a careful watch over our life. We discussed last week that we must not just care for our own heart, but also the hearts of others. That we are to help stop the anger brewing in the hearts of our brothers and sisters in Christ. This is very significant for the proper worship of God is damaged if we are angry. What good is it if we gather together this morning to worship the Lord, but we are only honoring the Lord with our lips? How dishonoring it is to not do what is right, having the appearance of worship while our hearts are far from God and we sit here burning with anger. Today, Christ moves from the sin of anger 
to addressing the sin of lust. He moves from commandment number six to commandment number seven. Look with me at Matthew 5, beginning in verse 27. You've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So point number one is the act of adultery. The act of adultery. Many of you God's law and don't see the goodness of it. They just see a bunch of commands in which, oh, I guess I have to keep these things. The law of God not only tells us how to live or what the Lord requires of us as his creation, but it also restrains evil and allows this life to be more enjoyable in a fallen world. If we didn't have the moral law, where would we be today? Many ignore God's law as outdated because of God's grace. How sad that for some, they disregard what God has said as holy and good and ignored it altogether. Whether we are speaking of the law of God, of false religions, of false teachers, or false gospels, heresy is often taught by redefining words, ignoring many scriptures, or by teaching only partial truths. Is God's law outdated as many have said? Does God's grace trump God's law? Does grace allow us to ignore the law? Is the law of adultery outdated and of no use? And yet we find Jesus sitting on the side of a mountain teaching his disciples, and he is quoting Exodus 20, verse 14, and Deuteronomy 5, verse 18, with his words in Matthew 5, 27. You shall not commit adultery. So to understand what Christ is teaching, we must first and foremost understand what adultery is. Adultery is to have unlawful intercourse with anyone other than one's marriage partner. The unmarried are not to have intercourse. The married man is not to have intercourse with anyone other than his wife. The married woman is not to have intercourse with anyone other than her husband. And the failure of any of the above is to be found guilty in the act of adultery in the eyes of God. And as Christians, we need to understand the eyes of God is what matters. Sexual relations outside of marriage is forbidden. And for the clarity of marriage, which is God's design, by the way, marriage is one man and one woman. Genesis 2, verse 24. Marriage is a covenant that you enter into with God. You commit to live how God tells you to live. You don't bring anything to the table on what you want accomplished. You are agreeing with what God has breathed out. Marriage is a covenant that we enter into with God. So as Jesus is teaching his disciples, he is not abolishing the law. Do not commit adultery. The law of adultery is not outdated, and it still stands today. Christ did not come to abolish the law or the prophets, but to fulfill them, Matthew 5, verse 17. So we don't relax any of God's commands, and we are not to teach others to do the same. And sadly, so many Christians in so many churches are teaching others to relax the commandments of God. The scribes and the Pharisees, they did not go beyond the letter of the law, meaning that only the physical act of adultery was important to them. 
This had major implications on the Jewish culture. The scribes and the Pharisees only looked outward. They did not look inward. Therefore, many sins in the heart were accepted. Many sexual sins were not discussed, and they were thought of as unimportant as long as you look good in the eyes of men and women. So has our culture followed the ways of the Pharisees? Have Christians followed the ways of the Pharisees? Have you? Has this church? What does Christ teach us? Do we listen to what others say, or are we listening to Christ? Point number two is adultery in the heart. Look at Matthew 5, verse 28. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So Christ once again makes clear the commandment. The letter of the law is the physical act of the adultery, but the spirit of the law is much more because Christ looks beyond the letter. He looks to the heart. That everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has committed adultery with her in his heart. So Christ is teaching that intentional looking with the purpose of lusting, of desiring or longing for what is forbidden is sinful, and he views it as adultery in the heart. That intentional looking, intentional gazing with the purpose of lusting and satisfying sinful desires, that is adultery in the heart. So we are not to look in order to meet a sinful desire. I used to hear students and young adults ask this question constantly. How close can I get to not actually sinning when it comes to lust? How far is too far? Those are the wrong questions. The correct question is, what does God require of us as his children? Or how can I live a holy life to please the Lord in all things? You see, what happens in our hearts and minds, what others are incapable of knowing and incapable of seeing, God knows and God sees, and he doesn't ignore anything. From the least of the commandments to the greatest of the commandments, lust begins in the heart. Matthew 15, verse 19, For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. If we say that God only cares about the outward appearances and we ignore what happens inward, then what we're saying is, I don't care what the Lord thinks because we know that the Lord looks at the heart. You see, there is absolutely nothing that the, that the Lord is not aware of. He sees everything that we do. He knows everything that we think. He knows what we are planning to do. Nothing is hidden from the Lord. Hebrews 4, verse 13. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Job 34, 21 and 22. For his eyes are on the ways of a man, and he sees all his steps. There is no gloom or deep darkness where evildoers may hide themselves. Luke 12, verse 2 and 3, Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. 
Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark, it shall be heard in the light. And what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. It is very obvious that Jesus had harsh language for the scribes and the Pharisees, calling them hypocrites, blind guides, blind fools, and many other things throughout the Scriptures. But let us not become so puffed up with pride Let us live with humility because we also struggle with the same sins that they did. How easily we accept sins of the heart looking at the outward appearance of others, the outward appearance of our own life. How fast we justify our own secret sins. How quickly we ignore our own struggles and how good we are. We are so good at comparing ourselves to those around us and not looking at Christ and His good commands. The words for us are clear. Do not commit the act of adultery. Do not look at anyone besides our spouse with lustful intent. And do not commit adultery in the heart. The Lord sees our outward acts and He knows our inward thoughts. This is what it means to live Coram Dale before the face of God. Living before the face of God is not just outward appearances. Living before the face of God is God knowing your heart and every inch of it, every thought, every desire that you have, everything that you are doing, all your false notions, all your hypocrisy, all your lies, all your struggles. That is what it is to live before the face of the Lord. We live in a culture in which adultery is accepted because life is lived for self. Life is not lived for the Lord. And as a Christian, we do not accept adultery. And as a Christian, we do not accept that Christ only sees the outward things. We hear from the world every day, but we are to listen to the Lord. And for many, this is where it begins. We listen to the world and we ignore what God has said. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you, and many minds shut off. 1 Corinthians 7, verses 1-5. through Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. But because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time, that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again, so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So the husband has authority over his wife's body, and the wife has authority over her husband's body. So adultery is not accepted in the eyes of God. Sexual immorality is a temptation, but the Lord is declaring, stay away from it. Stay away from the physical act of adultery. Stay away from adultery in the heart. In the Old Testament, the act of adultery was not accepted as it is in today's culture. Leviticus 20, verse 10, If a man commits adultery with his wife of his neighbor, both the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. 
Deuteronomy 22.22, if a man is found lying with the wife of another man, both of them shall die, the man who lay with the woman and the woman, so you shall purge the evil from Israel. And now we have the Son of God declaring that not only is the act of adultery wrong, but adultery in the heart is also wrong and it is not accepted. So is to be a child of God to follow what we want and desire? Or to be a child of God is to follow what everything God has breathed out. Do not commit the act of adultery. Do not look at anyone besides your spouse with lustful intent. And do not commit adultery in the heart. So how are you doing? Are you living a holy life before the Lord? Are you looking at others with lustful intent? Are you staying away from inappropriate images? Our eyes and hearts, they have a close relationship. What are you looking at? What are you thinking about? Is your thought life holy? Is it pleasing the Lord? Are you dressing yourself appropriately for the glory of God? Does your attire cause others to stumble? Because lust begins in the heart, but we must not dress scandalous. Men and women, are you like Job? Have you made a covenant with your eyes not to look at others with lustful intent? Job 31, verse 1. The act of adultery in the heart is not accepted in the eyes of the Lord. And what God does not accept, we must not accept. Forgiveness is found in Christ, but as His creation, we must not accept what God forbids. Psalm 19, verse 14, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. If we think that Christ and God and the Father and the Holy Spirit, if they only think about what we are saying with our words, if they think that they are pleased with us singing songs to the audience of one, and yet we are cherishing sin in our heart, do we not understand how foolish that is and how we are not pleasing the Lord? We are dishonoring the Lord? Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein, for he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. Both our words and our hearts, both of those things are to please the Lord. We are to live with pure hearts, not lifting our soul to what is false. The act of adultery and adultery in the heart, they are sinful, they are forbidden, they are what is false. False, and we must not accept those things in our life. Point number three is the seriousness of adultery. The seriousness of adultery. Look at Matthew 5, verse 29. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it's better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better that you lose one of your members than your whole body go into hell. 
first and foremost in that culture, the, the right the right eye and the right arm, those were considered the dominant and most important. Now, Jesus is not literally calling for us to tear out our right eye or to cut off our right hand. This is not a call for self-mutilation. Self-mutilation does not help problems of the heart. The Lord knows this. How is that going to help our heart problem? This is a call for us to take adultery, to take all sin very seriously. To not make peace with it. That in this life, we are put to death the deeds of the body by the Spirit of God. By the way, you can't put to death deeds of the body without the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, verse 13, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So the Son of God never teaches us to accept any sin. We are to make war on every sin. Making peace with any sin will produce bad fruit. That's what happens. Sin is deadly. It kills. The path of sin is absent of good fruit, and its destination is always the same. It's hell. Christ uses the words, tear it out, throw it away, cut it off, in hell, so that we as God's children, His creation, will wake up to the wickedness and destruction of sin that it is. It often paints itself in a beautiful picture, but once you open that picture, it's like a bomb goes off and it destroys everything in your life and everything around you. 1 Corinthians 6, 9-11, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. So if you are declaring yourself to be righteous today by lip only, but you're not saved and you haven't been born again and the Spirit of God has not come into your life, you're not righteous. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. As such were some of you. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Do you, do you see how salvation occurs at the end? Like, that's what you once did. That's who you once were. Who you once were, you are no longer. What you once did, you are to do no longer. We have been justified in Christ, and we are being sanctified by Christ. Don't dip your hand back in that jar. Refrain. Adultery in the heart is not to be accepted by us. We are not to justify adultery in the heart by saying, well, it's okay because I have not committed the physical act of adultery. We should be thinking, the Lord is always has his gaze on me at all times. He never naps, he never sleeps, he never slumbers, he never gets tired. He's always looking at me. Therefore, at all times, whether I'm in the dark and by myself or whether I'm in public with everybody else, the Lord is looking down on me. The Lord is looking at my heart. Am I pleasing him? Adultery in the heart is not to be accepted by us. We have been called by God to live holy lives. Whether you eat or whether you drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. By the way, we just don't eat and we just don't drink. 
It's everything in between. We're to be devoted to the Lord and having godly lives and having godly relationships, having godly eyes, godly thoughts, and godly marriages. Galatians 5, 16, but I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And you're asking yourself, well, how is it that that's supposed to change in my life? You are to walk by the Spirit. The desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. The desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for they are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, adultery, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So, so we pause and we say, wow, we see such major differences here. Yes, the lost person is producing all these things. The saved person is producing all these things. Are we going to sin and mess up and stumble in many ways? Yes, you are going to. But that doesn't mean that we accept where we are stumbling. We don't make peace with where we are failing the Lord. It goes on to say, and those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. So as Christians, we are saying, yes, I live by the Spirit of God. That is absolutely all of God's grace, but we are called to walk by the Spirit. It says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. You know, the act of adultery and adultery in the heart is not accepted in the eyes of our holy and righteous God. All sin, all sin is against the Spirit. And we are not to accept anything that the Spirit rejects. We are to walk by the Spirit. So as Christians, we are to take every single sin serious, including adultery, We are not to be like our culture. We are to walk according to the words of Christ. If you want to know what it is to walk by the Spirit of God, you walk according to what God has said. John MacArthur said, Jesus' point is that we should be willing to give up whatever is necessary, even the most cherished things we possess, if doing that will help protect us from evil. See, that that, that line alone, it damages so many. Because we know what we cherish in our heart. We know what we're unwilling to give up. We know what we're unwilling to let go of because at the end of the day, we actually love those things more than we love Christ. MacArthur goes on to say, nothing is so valuable as to be worth preserving at the expense of righteousness. The words of Christ, tear it out and throw it away and cut it off and hell are words of hyperbole so that we will stop and examine ourselves. 
Our soul and the purity of our soul is more important than anything that we could give up. Your soul matters more than your bed. Your soul matters more than your house. Your soul matters more than the food that you eat. Our soul and the purity of our soul is the most important thing, and we need to take watch over it. So whatever show, whatever entertainment you love, whatever web page, whatever location your feet go to, whatever causes you to stumble, give it up and live a holy life that pleases the Lord. And by the way, at this point, most people, yeah, but that's, that, that's very, very difficult. Exactly, you're not alone. God did not adopt you into isolation. God did not adopt you, and you're an only child. You have the family of God. You have brothers and sisters who have been there and done that. You have brothers and sisters who can pray with you, brothers and sisters whom you can call and reach out to and get help from. We're not alone. Ask for help. Ask for prayer. Ask for accountability. I'm reminded all the time of 1 Corinthians 10.13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. But God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Colossians 3, beginning in verse 1. If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears then you also will appear with Him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. So you're in Christ, but Christ is commanding you to put to death what is earthly in you. What is earthly in you? Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. So he is saying, the wrath of God is coming because of these things. Do not live your life being consumed with these things. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. Adultery in the heart is sin, and the Lord sees our secret sins. We are to set our mind on the things that are above. We are to set our mind on Christ. Put to death sexual immorality. Put to death impurity. Put to death passion and evil desires. Point number four is this. The amazing forgiveness found in Jesus Christ the Messiah. The amazing forgiveness found in Jesus Christ the Messiah. Jesus Christ is the long-awaited Messiah, the one in whom salvation is found. Forgiveness is found in Christ As Matthew was writing this, he was writing to his fellow Jews, longing for them to be saved. And he said this in Matthew, Matthew 1, She will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus saves his people from their sins. Jesus delivers his people from anger. Jesus 
rescues his people from adultery. Jesus is a savior of all people. Absolutely, amen, especially of those who believe. 1 Timothy 4, verse 10. There is amazing forgiveness found in Jesus Christ. We need to go to the Lord and confess our sins. Even in Sunday morning, we, can, we become so programmatic sometimes that we get used to something so often that it becomes a habit and we don't even think about it. Sometimes I sit in my bed and I think, did I brush my teeth? Like, I remember going to the bathroom. I don't remember if I brushed my teeth. Or sometimes I get in my car and I'll be like, I remember getting in my car. I don't remember driving from point A to point B, but I'm here. Like every Sunday, we have a time of confession where we come before the Lord and we confess our sins. We need to go to the Lord and be broken over our sins, name them one by one, and however long it takes, bring those to the Lord, ask Him to search our hearts and confess those things, asking for forgiveness. There is forgiveness for adultery. There is forgiveness for adultery of the heart, and it's only Christ. We deal with all sin. We deal with every single sin that we have ever confessed, every single sin that we have, we have done and we have been guilty of. We deal with all sin by bringing it to Christ. There is no dealing with sin outside of Christ. We are to call on Christ for salvation, and we are to continue to ask him for the forgiveness of our sins and our sanctification. And we find assurance of our soul through the reading of God's word that you and I are forgiven in Christ. 1 John chapter 1, this is a message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. You see, it's the picture of us as God's people coming to the Lord, Jesus Christ. And there's no darkness in Christ. It's completely light. But as we're coming before the Lord, we have darkness. We have sin. If we say we have fellowship with Christ while we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us, meaning you're not saved. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make God out to be a liar and his word is not in us. We hear so much in this world. We have heard that it was said to those of old, we have listened to the traditions of men, but we need to listen to Christ. The words, but I say to you, they are beautiful words. Let's cherish them. Let us not be angry. That's murder in the heart. Let us not commit the act of adultery. Let us not commit adultery in the heart. Let us please the Lord from our heart. We're to set our minds on the things above. Set your minds on Christ, you know, it's often said that if you are struggling with somebody and you're going through painful things with somebody, it's hard to hate them if you begin to pray for them. If you're setting your mind on the things of Christ, it's hard to keep cherishing that sin and forgetting to bring that sin before the Lord, asking for forgiveness. We are to be 
putting to death sexual immorality. We are to be putting to death impurity. We are to be putting to death evil passions, all for the glory of God. Because if you think those things that you hold dear in your heart are just kept inward and they're not going to come outward in your actions and what you do, you're extremely ignorant. That affects your marriage. That affects your relationships. That affects your worship of the Lord. That affects everything, who you are as a father, who you are as a mother, that, that affects all the surrounding things in this life. If we are cherishing sin, you need to understand that you are cherishing something that will kill you. We are to look to Christ. In the words of John Owen, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. So where are you this morning? Are you so focused on external things that we can see with our eyes that you are failing in this time of celebrating the incarnation of Christ, that you're not examining your own heart, you're not looking to your own heart, you're not caring for and shepherding your own heart for the purpose of worshiping the Lord? What sins do you have that you need to bring before the Lord? That's what I want you to be thinking about. Yes, we're going to sing another song to the Lord. Wonderful. I care more about you dealing with your sin before the taking of the Lord's table. That you bring those sins before the Lord. You confess them one by one. You ask for forgiveness and then you proclaim. You proclaim the death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ and his coming before he returns. Let us rightly worship the Lord. Maybe you worship the Lord just with lips only earlier today. But what about right now? God has given you time right now. Worship the Lord rightly. Father, I thank you for this morning. Father, your word, your word is what we need. It pierces and it divides. It cuts. It reveals the intentions of of our heart, the fact that you see us all right now and you know our hearts and that caused us to come before you confessing what we have been keeping secret, confessing them to you, asking for forgiveness. May that cause us to realize that we have not been adopted into isolation, but we have been adopted into a family, that we have other brothers and sisters in Christ whom you have purchased by your blood they can encourage us and spur us on and hold us accountable. Father, for those who, who love their sin, they love it. And they don't hate it. Lord, draw them to you. Cause them to hate what they once loved. Cause them to love you whom they once hated. That's a work of you, God. We pray for you to move. We pray for you to do things that can only be explained by you. Help us right now to come before you confessing our sins.
and meeting with you and proclaiming your death until you return. In Christ's name we pray, amen.